0: This is a reply to a comment that was posted under my video addressing Sargon of Akkad on the issue of individualism versus racial collectivism. So it's quite a complicated thing there. It's a, re- it's a reply to a comment that was posted to a reply to a video by Sargon of Akkad. And the comment, I, I will uh, read it out as I reply to each bit. I won't read out the whole thing as a oneer. But the guy. Um, and by the way, uh, he might well watch this video, so if. I, I don't want you to feel under attack or that I'm not taking your comments seriously. Uh, just I want to say that at the start, because these things can get quite acerbic, and I don't want to uh, seem like I'm attacking you. Alright. Now, he started off by saying, You totally missed the point Sargon has about why racial collectivism is stupid. And, uh,. Then he went on to, I don't know if he ever actually got on to, well, he, he explains his other, what what he thinks. Now he gives, uh, is it four? Yeah, three three reasons why it's stupid, and I'll go through each of them. Number one, the only way to keep white numbers up, naturally, is to outbreed other races. That ball is entirely in your court. While you're at it, Keep in mind that overbreeding has negative social costs. So, this is the thing about, well, just have more white kids. Which, you know, people say it, and they they tend to say it certainly uh, snarkily. I don't know if this guy's being snarky, but most people who say this, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced it. Some idiot's saying, well, you can keep control of your ancestral homelands, you just need to have more kids. What are you waiting for? So, okay, I will analyse this. First of all, the very comment acknowledges that there is a competition. Life in Western societies is no longer racially harmonious. And this comment acknowledges that it is... That there is, at the very least, there is the possibility for racial competition, because these races have been thrust together. And... At any rate, whether the person saying this admits it or not, well, I, there there just is a competition now, so, um, and that's what happens. It's a, it's a competition between ethnic or racial groups for dominance of a space in which they have been thrust together. So whites around the West, and this is every Western country. Remember that whites are now in a situation where, in order to retain dominance and ownership of their ancestral lands, they will have to reproduce feverishly. And uh, what annoys me about this is when people say this, they, they never question whether white people want to do that. You know whether, Because we're not talking about two kids each, we're talking about three or even four kids. And for a lot of people, a lot of people didn't have any plans to have four kids, or even three kids. Now, I'm not saying that um, that's good or bad, I'm simply, saying, I'm simply pointing out that a lot of people's lifestyles are going to have to change because of this demographic situation. And you can say that it's good for people to have kids. I think it is. But still, this is something that's essentially being forced upon them if they want to retain control of their homelands. This is a a challenge that has just been that they never chose. So whites are going to need to have more children than they would otherwise have. This will be difficult and stressful for them. And the compulsion or need in itself is an insult, for the reason I just gave. It will also be more difficult uh, in the presence of non-whites. This is an additional factor, because the whites will be taxed in order to pay for the needs of lower IQ people, uh, Sub-Saharan Africans and Arabs and so on. So you're telling them to have more kids than they would ideally have, and you're telling them to do it in a situation, in a future, in which their finances are going to be stretched. Uh, Their (laughs) finances are going to be uh, not what they were in the 90s or the noughties. And the the comment, as this guy says, uh, winning this competition by overbreeding, essentially, will have negative social costs for us. So if we choose to take this, uh, if we choose to compete, it's going to have low uh, negative social costs for us. I mean, we'll retain, we might retain control of our homelands, but in the meantime, we're going to deal with these other social costs. Um, and we'll have to contend with the negative problems that arise from the other groups, the other ethnic groups, trying to outbreed us at the same time, which they will be doing, and I think they already are doing. and Namely, even more low IQ kids, because once this competition heats up, and these other ethnic groups realise, okay, this is a numbers game now. we have going to have more kids. They are going to have more kids. And they will have more kids more um, carelessly than we will. And then, as I say, so we are going to have to pay for that in every way, not just financially. And at the same time, we're going to have to maintain this pretense, this facade, that there is not a demographic competition going on. And again, that will be that in itself will be stressful. It's going to be another an intensification of the lie
1: of multiracialism,
0: and also we'll have to contend with the straightforward resentment from these other ethnic groups uh, that we are competing against them for dominance because they're going to know that that this is a thing. No matter how much we uh, put up a facade and all that, and pretend that we're all fucking happy clappy, they are going to know that we are scared of them taking over. They are going to know that we are trying to prevent them from taking over, from gaining dominance. And so they're going to hate us even more than they already do. (laughs) So, the other thing that I want to add to this is the native whites of every Western country were never asked if they wanted this challenge. And whenever they were polled on the matter, they voted against it. So this very complex, stressful and difficult challenge, it has been forced on them, and it is the only way that they will retain ownership of their homeland, And it is the only way that they will maintain the culture, or the dominant culture, of their homeland. I mean, this, you know, demographics is destiny. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a cliche now. But what this translates to in real life is it's going to be fucking
1: difficult. It's going to be really difficult.
0: So when people say, well, you just need to have more kids. You now, leaving aside that that means not having the lifestyle that a lot of people wanted to have, you know, that they're being compelled to do something else, just leaving that aside, just look at all these uh, burdens that are being placed on us. And this is all because our governments did something that we never, ever wanted them to do. So when people snarkily say, well, you're just going to have more kids,
1: it's, it's such an insult.
0: And, you know, th- this is coming from someone who thinks it's good for people to have kids. I mean, I think that kids' parenthood and that, and that kind of thing is not... Something to be resented or resisted, it's a good thing. I think it's probably part of becoming a full person. But nonetheless, I don't like
1: that it is being soured in this way. It's like we've got to do this, because if we don't, (laughs) we're going to lose everything.
0: So, number two, this was his other, uh, his second reason why racial collectivism is stupid. And by the way, that first thing is supposedly a reason why racial collectivism is stupid. I guess uh, what he's saying there is that, well, if the only way to keep white numbers up is to outbreed other races, and doing so will have negative social costs, then that's a reason why racial collectivism is stupid. I I don't even think that follows logically, actually. Um, But. I'll just move on. I could analyse that, but what's the point? So his second reason why racial collectivism is stupid. You cannot segregate. You cannot regulate other people's reproduction. You cannot take rights from some or give special rights to others. Any attempts to do any of these things will lead to war and bloodshed. That isn't a threat, it's just reality. first of all i would say you can segregate people uh, you can regulate other people's reproduction or at least incentivize their non-reproduction you can incentivize them to get sterilized whatever and also you can take rights away from some people and you can give special rights to other people so i, I just think you know you can do whatever you want it's just a matter of having the well-being there to do these things Right now, these things do strike us as preposterous because they're so out of keeping with the egalitarian culture that has developed over the last few decades. But that in no way means that they're impossible at all. So I don't think there's a need for this kind of fatalism or you know, locking us into certainties that I just don't think are there. Now, the guy says that doing any of these things, segregating, uh, regulating people's reproduction, taking rights away from them, or giving special rights to other people. And by the way, just on that note, why shouldn't the natives of a country have special rights in that country? Why the fuck not? Is that not just crazy? I mean, why would you... Do you not have special rights within your own home that other people, that visitors and guests don't have in your home? Of course you do. (laughs) <laughs> it's a silly thing to say. Anyway, he says that doing any of these things would lead to war and bloodshed. Now, I agree that this probably is the reality because realistically, they know, as in the other ethnic groups, they know that this is a a battle for dominance, and so they'll know. And I think they're hyper sensitive. They'll they'll know when white people take any moves to ensure their own sovereignty, their own uh, continued sovereignty. And they will react aggressively, and but then this is not white people's fault. This is a. It's like saying that that will happen, therefore you shouldn't do this thing. It is kind of cowardly. Uh, sometimes it is necessary to do something knowing that there will be bad short-term consequences.
1: But I, you know, I, I do accept that it, it would not be pretty.
0: But the fact is, our elites, as in governments, academics, the media, have put us in a position where our only options for group survival, and dominance means survival. You, know, you can survive as a nomadic, hated minority in your ancestral homeland, but why would you want to? Um, the reason we want dominance is so that we continue to exist, so that we survive. And, of course, maintain ownership of our homelands. But the fact is that our elites have put us in a position where our only options for retaining these things and surviving long-term are things that will lead to war and bloodshed. And that's not our fault. We've been put in this position. The only way we can survive is to do things that will lead to bloodshed. Is that our fault? And is it our fault? Are we bad people if we then choose to do to do those things? I mean, it's a mark of how luxuried we are that we even have these moral quandaries. You know, our ancestors would have thought, okay, yeah, it's not going to be pretty, but there's no question about not doing it. We have to do it. But we are so squeamish now, we think, oh gosh, you see, it might not be pretty. It might not be easy. There might be bloodshed. There might be war. This is just the reality of group dynamics, not just humans, uh, all mammals, all animals. This is what it's like. And this is why we had nations in the first place. And it's why we had, it's why we were separated in the first place. One of the reasons. It's precisely because good fences make good neighbours and simplify things so, so much and keep people safe. Oh well, it's not our fault that these these securities were dissolved. Anyway, I'll move on to his third reason why racial collectivism is... And by the way, what he's saying there, essentially, is that racial collectivism is stupid because the only way to uh, have a an ethno-state in 2017, uh, well, would require violence. from. And by the way, I think it would be violence mainly from the state. I'm not talking about vigilantes or going out and beating up someone. I mean, that's just... I think that's ridiculous, and I don't think it would work. I think in the end, this is going to be from the state uh, because they're going to realise that it's the the only way that they will save themselves. But anyway, uh, so what he's saying is that because it would be ugly, Uh, that means that the the creed which would justify this these ugly goings-on is a stupid creed. And again, that doesn't logically follow. Anyway, I'll move on to his third reason why racial collectivism is stupid. Any group which is based on an inborn and therefore uncontrollable trait is necessarily limited to people with that trait. Yes, that's by definition, yeah. This means you, as in ethnostatists, cannot govern unless you live somewhere with an extreme racial homogeneity, like Japan. The flip side of this, of course, is the danger of any minorities present seeing themselves as second-class citizens. So should you enact ethnostatism in some way, the minorities present will feel like second-class citizens, which will lead to resentment and so on. Now, what I would say to this is, first of all, we had extreme racial homogeneity. It was stolen from us by our elites, or it was given away by our elites. And if now we want to retrieve that homogeneity, then our governments are just going to have to eat humble pie and then assist us in that goal, peacefully and cooperatively. And I think in the end, they will, as I said before. Now, the other thing is that how minorities see themselves as as second-class citizens or whatever, is not our concern. These are our countries. And minorities should come second to our own ethnic groups, especially in our own fucking homelands. In their lands, we come second. In their ancestral homelands, we come second. So why should it not be that way here? For example... Well, what I mean by that is in our lands, our priority should be our survival and our flourishing, not just our animal survival, also our flourishing, our prospering, our blossoming. That should be our priority, not the feelings of people who don't belong to our group and who ultimately don't belong in our lands. The feelings of newcomers are secondary and must be secondary. That is... That is the only sane way to conduct, uh, what would you call it, statecraft. So it is their responsibility to contain their resentment. Because, for example, if I were living in India, and I had been living there for 40 years, and then one day the Indian government decided that India was going to become a racially exclusive state, I would leave. I would just leave and I would be sad about it because I'd, be, I'd have become attached to the place no doubt but I would understand and accept the decision and the new situation and uh, the fact is that the Indians would have the right to their homeland and to have dominion over it and I would accept that so I don't understand why non-whites will not accept that uh, regarding our homelands I think they will um, but there will it will have to be made clear to them that this really is the case. This we really mean this. We're not just uh, this is not Britpop from the nineties. So then the guy uh, to move on. The guy then said, uh, "Here is this, and this was his conclusion. Here is the solution that you idiots keep ignoring from people like me and Sargon. Strengthen and this." Is, <laughs> I'll just read it. Strengthen human rights to the point that they're unassailable and race will not matter. And he doesn't explain why that's the case, but he he just goes on. Worry about your values and culture, not your skin colour. Because no matter what you or I do, assuming we don't all kill ourselves first, four centuries from now, 90% of the species, the human race, will look like polynesians and the remaining 10% will so basically we're all going to get race mix anyway it's all going to be chocolate uh, the chocolate soup of the future and the remaining 10% of the human species will look like the various race groups of today that you seem so obsessed with they'll be called throwbacks and probably be seen as slightly more desirable just because they're a little exotic but beyond that no one will care about race anymore. A society set up to protect the individual's rights is far, li- is far less likely to abuse its citizens than a society set up to protect collective identities. This is axiomatic. Your racial collectivism politics is a straitjacket you are trying to put on uh, yourselves so that the government will protect you from the other. Mm. Now, I'll go through this sentence by sentence. I'm sorry if I seem glib already, but it's just so full of naivety. I, I, okay. So, strengthen human rights to the point that they are unassailable and race will not matter. You don't explain that, so I can't even... I can't tackle it. You don't. You just state that, you just assert that, uh, you know, liberty is the way and will solve everything. worry about your values and culture, not your skin colour. Worrying about our values is exactly what got us into this mess in the first place. And our culture was too vague and nebulous to define. And therefore, we couldn't really protect or preserve it either uh, during the ensuing chaos that we're now enmeshed in. uh, Or engulfed in, I should say. So, I mean it was this commitment to values that, that's why we're in this fucking disaster the other thing is of course worrying about your culture, and first, as I say first of all our culture, culture is something that I don't think you can stipulate, you can't define it and then therefore preserve it, it culture is something that lives as long as its adherents live and continue behaving in roughly the same way Culture is extremely organic. And so if the space of those adherents becomes filled with lots of people who don't have that culture, then the culture is simply lost because you can't grasp it. And it just goes to the four winds. And then, of course, you've got the fact that saying worrying about your your values and culture, not your skin colour... The fact is that skin colour does seem to have a determinant effect upon culture, especially even if it's not about abilities like racial IQ or whatever. It's, all, it's about racial identity. They don't want to adopt our culture. Huge numbers of them don't want to do that because they associate it with our skin colour. So they are not going to protect and preserve and maintain our culture. So it's up to us to do that. So if you do care about culture more than skin colour, then I would suggest to you that you should care about skin colour in the service of protecting your culture. And then the next sentence. Because no matter what you or I do, four centuries from now, 90% of the species will look like Polynesians. Now, you're being very fatalistic, assuming that ethno-nationalism will fail or never be taken up, and therefore you're not interested in its benefits. I think that's unfair. But also I want to point out that you use the example of Polynesians and I, I know that perhaps you just chose that randomly or perhaps you chose it because that would be approximately the the coffee colour that, that would be the colour of the coffee coloured mix um, that would result from all this endless race mixing. You'd end up with people who looked like Polynesians. Well, unfortunately, if the skin colour gets averaged out perhaps the intelligence levels will as well. And so if you're going to judge this by, if the, if the standard is going to be Polynesian, then I'm afraid to tell you that Poli- Polynesians have an average IQ of 85.
1: I don't know if I, I just need to stare
0: into the camera? Or do I need to explain this? <laughs> I think we're at the point where I just need to stare into the camera for a few seconds. And hopefully you'll get the, the idea. Do you want the future human race who inhabit not not just the whole globe but even our countries and our cities, do you want the average IQ in Britain and in Sweden and in Germany to be 85?
1: I mean, just get fucking
0: real. Get real. Think about what that would do. Even if you don't care about skin colour, just, again, think about the culture. Think about the architecture. Think about the social systems. Think about the politics, the philosophy. What would happen to those things in the presence of a mass population with an average IQ of 85? Do you think those things would be preserved? Do you think those things would be advanced? Do you think those things would be respected? Do you think those things would even exist? (laughs) Of course they fucking wouldn't. And then you see the remaining 10% will... And by the way, you know, that I'm not just saying that because Polynesians have an average IQ of 85, therefore uh, that that is, you know, because you chose Polynesians, whatever. The fact is that that would be roughly the average. If you were to mix all the races together, that probably would be the average. But even then, given the large, the, the huge numbers of sub-Saharan Africans compared to Euro- Europeans... I think, it. I mean, if you're to take the global average IQ, I think it might be even lower than 85. I'd be looking at 80. And, you know, those five points matter. Good Lord. All right, moving on. The remaining 10% of people in four centuries from now will look like the various race groups of today. They'll be called throwbacks. Yes. And there'll be throwbacks with IQs higher than 85 uh, and with ethnic identities that strengthen their individual identities. And yet also they will be tormented by this because they'll be so unusual. So what you're going to have is people, well, I say they'll be higher than 85. A lot of them will be uh, sub-Saharan Africans in which they'll be lower than 85. But if you're talking about the Europeans who the the remnants of the white race, four centuries from now, they will have an average IQ of about 100 and they will be surrounded by... The, I mean, they'll be engulfed in an ocean of people who are much less intelligent than them. And so they'll be isolated and they will have to contend with a world dominated by people much less intelligent than them, much less forward-thinking than them. And as I say, that will not be a pleasant experience uh because and and they will be also the fact that they have these tangible racial identities or ethnic identities that will not be something comforting it, instead of it, it should be something comforting but in that context i think it would be something almost torturous because it would it would isolate them and so they would be probably desperate to race mix and uh, just disappear from history and uh, you also say that they will be seen as slightly more desirable just because they're a little exotic. Of course, you ignore that some of them will be seen as more desirable because, first of all, they're more intelligent and also simply because they're more beautiful, uh, you know, nords. But I agree with you that they will be seen as exotic and therefore desirable, but they, what that means is that this measly 10% uh, will swiftly be race-mixed into the the coffee-coloured mass. And then, because they will be highly prized, and that means that they will disappear. And then there will be no diversity whatsoever. And then you move on and say, a society set up to protect the individual's rights is far less likely to abuse its citizens than a society set up to protect collective identities. This is axiomatic. No. A population of atomized individuals will be far more easy for a government to abuse than a population as, since since they will have no solidarity, they will have no people power, no ability to to join together. Their identity will be entirely an artifact of consumer choices. that's the only thing they'll have to identify, to forge themselves by uh, and consumer fashions can be directed, shifted by the elites, whichever way they want. So you're leaving people incredibly vulnerable to abuse, both at the cultural and the governmental level, and the social level. And then you go on, your racial collectivism politics is a straitjacket that you're trying to put on yourselves so that the government will protect you from the other. And uh, my first thought when I read that was that that's just psychobabble. Um, But... It's psychobabble which also ignores the reality of ethnocentric conflict. Uh, The fact is, the other, as you put it, is not going to wait to be race-mixed, along with us, into a characterless mass. That's not going to happen. And even if they miraculously did do that, your statement also ignores the duty that we have as white people. We are the custodians of precious things. Cultural, linguistic, artistic, architectural, philosophical and in every other thing, every other field and genetic as well. These are precious things that have survived hell and high water because our ancestors protected them. And it is our duty in the present day to protect that legacy, to protect these precious things, which includes... The genetic elements that enable us to that, that define us.
1: Now, in conclusion,
0: you might be more attached to the the fruits of the white race, you know, liberty, and all that, so that kind of. I'm guessing that's what you primarily value. So you might not be attached to the white race themselves emotionally, but I think you do value the the products of the white race. And so what I would say to you is, you should look, before you approve of this coffee-coloured future, you should look to the other races of the world and ask yourself what emotional attachment they will have to the fruits of the white race, because that is the future you're inviting. And the answer is, they will not have any emotional attachment to it whatsoever. The vast majority of them will not be merely ambivalent towards these, these things. They will despise them. Because they are better than what their own peoples have created. This is the resentment. And you see it every day. And also, let's assume that that is an overreaction. I'm being paranoid and fear-mongering. You're still saying that we should take the chance. You're still saying that we should give what has been bequeathed to us away to anyone
1: on the off chance that they'll look after it.
0: And you're doing that with no evidence at all that they will look after it. So as I say, even if you're not a racial... Uh, even if you're not attached, let's just put it that way, to the white race as a, as a concept, as an entity, you clearly are attached to the... Uh, you clearly do admire and enjoy uh, the culture, the politics, the philosophy that they have produced. So think about what it will take to look after that. Think about how bad it could get if you don't do that i'll leave it at that thanks for watching